they asked uh, what they could put for the title on the uh, screen as it goes over the internet for our lesson tonight. It looks like it's going to be Suffering with Ronald Strong. So <laughs> that sounds like a good title. That ought to get some attention, shouldn't it? <laughs> um, we are going to talk about suffering tonight. And the reason being is uh, uh, a, a conversation, another conversation that I had. I have a lot of conversations at work. I do get some work done. Uh, sometimes, but I do end up having a lot of conversations. But I uh, uh, had a conversation with a lady, and she was telling me about a lot of things that she was going through, a lot of things that she was suffering with. And uh, she said, you know, I've, I think she's 80, 83, no, 86. She always says she's 83, but she's actually 86. Uh, but uh, she says. Um, and she said, you know, all my life I've never really questioned uh, the things that I go through, and then now, she says, it seems like I go through so much, I sometimes wonder about it. I wonder how come we suffer like we do, how come God allows it. And it, it is a good question. Um, I'm not 86, but I, I've, I've gone through some things where I question it. I question why do we have to go through the things that we go through at the time in which we go through them. Um, and I, it really got me thinking about, you know, can you really... I guess really determine an answer on why we suffer. You know, uh, we always want to know why on a lot of things, and I think suffering's no different. So I thought, can we come up with an answer of why we suffer? Um, I don't know if I could come up with just one, but I have come up with several that I think uh, may be some reasons why uh, we do. And the question that comes uh, about a lot is why why doesn't God protect us uh, from suffering? He has, uh, it's certainly within his ability to keep us safe and keep us out of harm. Um, so it, it, it just brings about more questions. If, you know, even the atheist, uh, that's one of their uh, big arguments, you know, he's either an uncaring God or he's not able to. You know, when you suffer and, and you serve a God and he doesn't do anything about it, it seems like, then their argument is he's either not there or he doesn't care. Um, so how do you rebut that? How do you say, okay, uh, I know he's there, I know he cares, I know he does something, even in the midst of that suffering? But I think that is questions sometimes that, that we have. Uh, what's that? Well, I can mark out uh, point number four. <laughs> Uh, he, it does. Uh, I, I think that is a big part of it, is, is to, to, uh, to keep us humble and to keep us maybe focused and on track. Um, and I do think that is a big part of it. I think you're right. Um, but think about it. If we, if we never suffer, will we, would we truly learn? I mean, think about all the things that, that we learn in suffering. Uh, some of the things that I think back that I didn't realize it at the time of, of trials that I went through, uh, there's lessons that I learned that I wouldn't have learned if I hadn't have gone through them. Uh, I, I wouldn't have got that opportunity to learn those things. And think about this. Uh, uh, it, it's a form of, of discipline. Uh, that's part of learning. Uh, we learn obedience, I believe, through suffering. Take, for example, Hebrews 5 and verse 8. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things in which he suffered. Now, did you ever think about 
uh, one of the reasons that Christ suffered what he did? You know, we think about him suffering for our sins. He died for our sins, and he did. Uh, did, Do we ever think about when we read a verse like this, it says, though he was the son, notice, he learned obedience from the things in which he suffered. What, what, What possibly could Christ learn? What, what is there that he, he's the son of God? So what is it that he had to learn? What obedience did he have to learn? It says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So if we learn obedience through suffering, it said Christ did, what lesson did he learn? How did, how did he learn to obey? He didn't know to obey to begin with? That's kind of a tough question, isn't it? Go ahead, Bert. Now think about what that's exactly right. It was for our what he learned was for our benefit. And as it says he learned, what he learned was to go through suffering to gain that, that sense of obedience, that willingness to obedience, the same way that we would. You see, I mean when he came, he was flesh, wasn't he? You know, he came, he, he suffered just as we did, he was tempted like we were, he felt all the pain that uh, that he felt of all the things that he went through. And notice what that teaches us by him learning that, going through that. So he learned obedience through the things in which he suffered. I I believe what it's saying is he learned obedience the way that we learn obedience. So he could experience it the way that we did because there's nothing that we can go to him with that he's not experienced, right? There's nothing that he doesn't know. So he had to experience that the same way that we experienced that. So when we think of suffering as a way of learning, as a way of discipline, so we can learn obedience. Um, You know, I'll be honest, sometimes I don't ever think of it from the standpoint of Christ learning it the way that we learned it. But how else does this this verse mean? I mean, what what did he have to learn? He, you know, you think about the Son of God, but you think about, you know, he says he emptied himself and he came and he became like we were and he, he experienced things like we did yet without sin. So he can know, as we, as we go through our lives, as he paved the way for us, we can say, well, I'm going through this. You just don't understand. Yeah, he does. He, he does understand. And this is how he got through that. He didn't get through it by some supernatural way. If he got through it by some supernatural way, he could have wiped the face of the earth with them before they ever, ever spit on him the first time, couldn't he? before they ever beat him, before they ever scourged him, before they ever hung him on the cross. He could have handled it that way. But he didn't. He went through it as we would to show that he paved the way for us. And I think that's a a wonderful way to begin to look at uh, suffering is, okay, look at what Christ went through to learn for us that we can go through that. Bill? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and notice he humbled himself not as the Son of God, but as a man, didn't he? You know, that's what he learned. He's, he's, you know, and as Jerry said at the very beginning, that's part of suffering, part of that humbling. Can you imagine, you know, we think about the temptation that Jesus went through, and we can go to Matthew chapter 4 and look at all the things uh, that Satan tempted him with, but just imagine having the power 
to stop the pain and suffering like that, but humble enough and, and, and have enough self-will not to do it. Can you imagine that? To me, that, that is just astonishing to me. You know, to have that much power but that much self-control because he realized what he was doing it for. And the reason he was doing that is to experience it as we experience it or as we would experience it or something that we may go through. And he did that for us. That, that to me, is, is an ultimate sacrifice. So I think that's what it reigns true on Hebrews 5 and 8. God uses suffering, I think, to correct our conduct, you know, in this form of, of learning to be obedient. Look in Hebrews 12, beginning at verse 5. It says, You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Uh, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with, with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father's spirits and live? For they indeed, uh, uh, for a few days, chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So as it said at the beginning, Jesus learned obedience through the things in which he suffered. God corrects us um, as his children. He chastens us. He does this for our benefit. He does this to train us. Um, and it says here, it may be painful for a while. You know, part of discipline, part of correction it is painful because we're having to correct how we're living our life for a greater good. You know, we, we, we suffer this moment in many ways when it comes to correction and discipline so we don't suffer greater uh, at the end. So we go through this little now so we don't go through the greater then. Isn't that the purpose of discipline to begin with? To train, to correct, even though it may be painful at the time, we're doing it for the person's benefit because we love them. We do that as parents as we do our children, don't we? That's the way God does for us. Uh, so it's part of this correcting process. Uh, God treats us as children that way, um, and he corrects us through that suffering. Notice what the psalmist said in Psalm 119 and 71. He said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Now notice, he said it was good that I was afflicted. You think it was good at the time? No. No, no correction is good at the time. But he said, it was good that I was afflicted so I can learn your statutes. I, I, I did this so I, I realize now I've gone through this and it enabled me to see clearly the things that I needed to see clearly about you. Bill? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I look back now. Uh, all the correction that I got, believe me, I got a lot of correction. Uh, I didn't like that. I didn't understand it. I didn't accept it at the time I was being corrected. Um, I still don't know how well I accept correction today. 
I realize the benefit of it, and I try to weigh out uh, uh, the reasoning behind it, but it's still not easy. Uh, correction's not easy to, to go through. Uh, but when you realize the purpose behind it, then, then you can see clearly the things that you need to see, even if you can't see it at the time. You know, we, we learn it over time as we look back on it, no matter what that may be. Um, there, there's things in which we can, can learn from it. And, and that's how God, I, I think, uh, treats us. Think about parents. Parents recognize that discipline provides the proper amount of suffering. Uh, and they do this to get their children to learn. Now, notice what I said, the proper amount. There, there's things that I know that my, my mom did for me that uh, was the proper amount of suffering so I wouldn't suffer greater later. Um, and sometimes, again, that, that's not easy to see. As we read up here in Hebrews, it, this, this correction can be painful at times. You know, it, it, it's not going to be pleasant, but that's not the suffering that is really should be under consideration when it comes to correcting. The suffering should be under consideration is what the greater suffering will be if the correction wouldn't take place now. If there wasn't something, so as parents, I, I can take my mom, for example, she looked and said, okay, your decision-making needs correcting <laughs> because your actions, based on your decision, are not what they should be. So there's going to be some correction with that. It could be grounding, it could be uh, whooping, it could be whatever that may be, whatever the amount of pressure that needed to be for the circumstance. But for again, for the greater good. And, and I believe that's exactly how, how God does his children. That's what the Bible teaches that God does for us. Notice, does God want us to suffer at the end? Does he want us to spend eternity suffering? Well, of course he doesn't. So what do you think he's going to do to keep us from doing that? Whatever, whatever loving fathers should do, right? But it's not easy as children to accept that and to go with that. Uh, because we don't understand it at the time. We, we, we don't like it at the time, you know. Um, but we have to realize that there is benefits for it. In Proverbs chapter 3, at verse 11 and 12, it said, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, as a father uh, the son in whom he uh, delights. And, and Proverbs 15 and verse 5, A fool despises his father's instructions, but he who received correction is prudent. Now think about this. I, I, I was thinking about this as I was uh, uh, kind of thinking about this lesson. I can remember a time, uh, one time that I got a pretty good whooping and a pretty good grounding, and a lot of things took away from me all at the same time. And, and what this was over... Uh, uh, my mom was going to nursing school and uh, she was working at times, so I, I had a lot of time to myself. All I had was some instruction and do this and don't do that and don't do this or, or do that. And I might not have followed those instructions as I should. And just like any parent, they always find out. You think they're not going to, but they find out. But I can remember when we lived over at Stone, my mom told me, started out with a bicycle and then it started out with a not... Uh, not necessarily street legal uh, dirt bike, uh, don't ride that to town. 
across that bridge. That's when the old bridge was there, you know, the little narrow one that buses always hit uh, mirrors and stuff. She said, you're going to get run over and cause a wreck. Um, I didn't always listen to that. Uh, I found myself in town many times. Uh, and she found herself finding out about that. So I, you know, there was a right amount of pressure and, and pain put on me because of that. But I thought back, okay, if she hadn't corrected me and hadn't uh, uh, disciplined me and caused a certain amount of suffering at that time, how else was I going to learn that? Uh, be a hood ornament on a car? Would that have taught me? Get hit by a car? Oh, that would teach you. Be sprawled out there on the hood and go through the windshield? That had been too much suffering to learn, wouldn't it? Is, is it? Would that be the right way to learn? I'll just get run over then. That'll be fine. No, she was trying to prevent that, so she applied the right amount of suffering to keep me from going through an ultimate amount of suffering. Does that make sense? You know, I didn't think about that time. I just thought that was crazy. I've got enough sense. I can ride across that bridge. There was a lot of times I got some honks and, uh, uh, you know, some different uh, language toward me and different things because, I mean, there was a lot of cars on there at the time, and there I was trying to get across that bridge. But, I, you know, as I think back on it now, I, I think that's what we do as parents. You know, you've got to, and this sounds bad saying it, but you've got to understand the ultimate goal. Parents have to put the right amount of suffering to take care of the ultimate suffering so that don't take place. And you try to do that in the best that you can because you love your child. Does that make sense? That's what God does for us, I believe. He, he puts the right amount of suffering in our lives at the times that we need it so ultimately we won't go through the old. What's he going to say? Boy, let them go to hell. That'll show them. That'll teach them. They'll learn a lesson then. That, that, he's not going to do that. He doesn't want to do that. Why else would he send his son? So he, he allows a certain amount of suffering or even corrects us with suffering. So Now I'm not saying every suffering we go through is correction. I'm just saying this is one possibility for it. Is, it may, may be one reason for it because there needs to be correction. Any thoughts about this? Does that make sense or you disagree with it totally? Or, you know, I, I, I think the Bible applies... Uh, many times that God is, is, is like a father disciplining his children, and I think that's, that's one way in which he does it. Any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I mean I've, I've used the example before. You know, why... Why do we, why would we, uh, you know, discipline our children for certain things? Well, you know, when they're little, they can't distinguish a gallon of milk from a gallon of bleach. So I want to do something to keep them from drinking a gallon of bleach underneath the cabinet, you know. So there may be times they get in trouble with things. You know, you put locks on it, you do whatever, and if they disobey, you've got to put a lot, a certain amount of correction so ultimately, they will know what the difference is. They will make the right decision when during times maybe they're not able to make that decision. And then as they grow older, as they uh, start making decisions, then you start making those corrections. I've always said, you know, I always look at God like I tried to look, I'm not saying I'm God by any means, nothing like that, but as a parent, I can't, 
make choices for my children as they grow up, you know, when they grow up and get out of the house. But my responsibility as a parent was to teach them how to make the choices. Then it's up to them whether they make the right ones or not. But part of teaching them to make the right choices is through a certain amount of suffering at times. Um, I think we all go through that, and I believe that's how God uh, does for us. God doesn't force us to make certain choices, but he shows us the consequences and the rewards for the choices that we make. And there's consequences for that. And then in that training process, there's going to be some suffering because there's going to be some discipline with that. And many times that's not easy uh, for us to see, but I do think that's maybe one reason uh, uh, suffering exists or suffering uh, uh, God allows it. Not only allows it, I think God is a part of it um, because of that, because he loves us and wants to correct us. Another reason, I think, uh, if we suffer, if we don't go through any suffering, could we ever prove our worth? And here's what I mean by that. Suffering gives us an opportunity, I think, to prove uh, our commitment to God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, uh, than gold uh, that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now think about what he says here. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Now notice, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, can be seen. Uh, it goes back to, I believe, that, that saying is, how do you know how faithful you are till your faith is put to the test? You know, there, there's sometimes got to be, a, again, a certain amount of suffering that we go through to see whether or not we're, we're truly faithful or not. Do you think that could be a reason? Well, I think that's what First uh, uh, Peter says here. Now, think about this. If Christians never suffered, if they never suffered, if, if I believe everyone would want to be a Christian. If you never suffered... Okay, if, you, if I could tell someone when I was studying with them uh, about obeying the gospel, if you obey, you'll never suffer again, and then you'll go to heaven if you'll be obedient. I think everybody would want to do that. But then everybody would want to be a Christian because they didn't want to suffer. It had nothing to do with being obedient to God, would it? If God made me the promise that I'd never suffer again if I followed Him, would I really be following Him for the right reasons? I think what would appeal to me is never have to suffer again. But in essence, that's really what he's saying. If you're obedient here, go through the suffering here, you'll never have to suffer again. But the thing is, it's not about right now, it's about then. So we can't make promises, and God doesn't promise us. We will go through things here. That's part of seeing how committed we are. When the rubber hits the road, when we walk out that door, when we're faced with life's challenges... Then what are we going to do? Are we going to be faithful or not? Job's a perfect example of this. Job 1, starting verse 9. So Saint, that Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. You know what Satan was telling him? 
Satan said, you know why Job's serving you? Nothing bad ever happens to him. You built a hedge around him. Because you built a hedge around him, that's why he's serving you. If you take that away from you, he'll curse you to your face. See, that's what Satan thought. But God knew better. But Satan does have a point. If, it, if God truly kept a hedge around us, nothing ever, ever happened to us, what would our faith truly be like? Well, look at Job chapter 2. Go ahead and go there, Kevin. Same thing. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about it, we're going to get into this just a little bit more. Job's suffering that he went through really didn't have anything to do with Job. It had to do with Satan and Job's friends <laughs> more than it had to do with Job. And that's another thing. We go through some suffering that don't even have anything to do with us. But there's a purpose behind it. And Job, he wasn't worried about what happened to him. He was worried about his relationship with God and wondering why God was doing that because he hadn't been faithful to him. He didn't complain to God about the, the physical misery he was going through. It was the, the emotional anguish of, of not well, yeah, why it's going to him, but he was concerned about that relationship and couldn't understand. And I think that's the basis of a lot, as Jeff was saying, we want to know why. That's the basis of a Christian is why and why. And we need to really take that out of our head because it doesn't matter why. Uh, it really doesn't matter why. We, we're going to go through here tonight and talk about reasons that it possibly could be and some benefits from it, but when it all boils down to it, it doesn't matter why we go through it. We do go through it. What matters is what are we going to do when we go through it? That's what really it comes down to, but it, it, it's hard to, to you know, disconnect ourselves from it at the moment and, and see that bigger picture. We just want to see the picture right in front of us, the pain we're going through, the trial we're going through, the cloud that's hanging over our heads, and we've got to realize that... That really doesn't matter. That really has nothing to do with, with our faith other than it, it is an opportunity to prove our faith. That, that we can look just like, you know, it gets rid of all those impurities just like precious metals going through all the, the testing that they go through, the purification that they go through. So when they come out the other side, all those impurities are gone. The suffering can do that for us if we would let it. It can get rid of those impurities. Um, but sometimes we want to hang on to them and even add more to it uh, because we just focus on the suffering. We just focus on what we're going through instead of um, just serving God no matter what. You know, we could go to Paul learning to be content. 
you know, that, that's how I sing in prison. That's how I'm, I, I, I can be joyful and no matter what happens to our country. I can still be a faithful Christian no matter how ungodly the world around me can get because that can't take away my faith. But it can prove my faith. It can strengthen my faith. I can let it weaken my faith. I can be like Peter and I can start to sink when I take my eyes off what's important. But it's not going to take away the suffering. You know, I still go back to Jesus could have calmed the water and Peter could have walked through there no problem. But what benefit would it have done him just to get out of the boat, calmly walk to Jesus? What lesson is that? What could Peter possibly learn from that? Hey, I'm walking on water. Well, yeah, but if you're a child of mine, you can not only do that, you can do it in the middle of a storm. The storm's what the issue is. Yeah, I can be a Christian and walk straight to heaven. Never have an obstacle, never have a trial, never have a suffering, never have any, anything. I, I could do that. But to be a Christian in the middle of the world, uh, world full of a storm, that's saying something, isn't it? That's saying something about my commitment to God. That's saying something about my love for God. Just like His love for me. And I think that's one thing that we can, we can do. I think it can prove uh, our worth. Um, I think we're, we're more willing to suffer because we love Him and it proves, again, the genuineness uh, of our faith. Look in Acts chapter 5, uh, starting verse 40. And they agreed with Him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name and daily in the temple and every house they did not see teaching uh, and preaching Jesus as the Christ we could do a whole lesson here one purpose of suffering is to evangelize you realize the reason the church grew so much in the first century Brian and I was talking about this one Wednesday night uh, after one of the lessons and uh, uh, as soon as I went back over here he said you know that's, that's a reason I forgot how exactly what we were talking about that brought it up but he said, you know, that's how the church and the reason church grew so much. And I said, you're absolutely right. It, it was. It's, I mean, that's, that's what caused the church to grow was the persecution and the trials. If that wasn't going on, would they have scattered like they did? Would they have been as dedicated as they were? I mean, don't tell me not to teach in Jesus. I tell you what, I'll go everywhere teaching it. But what if nothing, nobody ever said anything to them? Stand on the street corner and preach that all you want to. No big deal. Maybe that's the only street corner they'd ever stood on because they were allowed to. <laughs> you know, you never know. God had a plan. God had a, a purpose. God had a way for his word to abound. And persecution, trial, and suffering was part of that. And it proved the genuineness. When you had to hide uh, to worship him, when you, you were told, I'll beat you or I'll kill you, I'll drag you into prison, I'll kill your whole family if you do that, then you've got to start making some tough decisions. You know, I, I could go back and uh, my one only trip to India and I could tell stories about, you know, some coming through that, you know, obeyed the gospel and they were talking amongst themselves and, you know, I can remember asking about two ladies that did and I said, what's, what's the hold up here? Because when they go back, they're going to get beat and everything they own thrown out in the street. They'll have nowhere to go. And I thought about that. Would I actually come forward if that was going to happen to me? Was that going to be a big draw? Let's see, if I obey the gospel tonight, I'll get beaten, possibly killed, 
certainly everything that I know is going to be gone. Uh, will I obey, God, obey the gospel if that's going to happen? Oh, yeah, that's a big drawing appeal to me. Let me do that. I don't know if I would have. But they did. You know why? Because their dedication was there. And we do. I'm, I'm not saying we're not dedicated, but I think suffering is a way to prove our dedication and our commitment and our faithfulness to God. And, and I think that's, there's many times that we have to prove that in a lot of different ways. Uh, I think another reason, I'm going to move on here, is uh, I don't think we'll ever grow if we don't go through some suffering. You look at James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, I mean, think about it. Have we ever increased our patience without uh, patiently going through suffering? You know, I kid a lot of times that I'm scared to pray for patience because I know how that comes. If you pray for patience, you're praying for a trial. You're praying for suffering. You're praying for something. And sometimes it, 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 it kind of scares me to pray for that. But I do because I know I need that. I need patience. And the only way I'm going to learn patience, the only way I'm going to grow is through that. So I think we grow spiritually um, by some of the suffering that we go through. If you look in Romans chapter 5, in it verse 3, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I mean, we, we grow spiritually because of these things. You know, we, we don't think about it at the time. When I'm going through that, going, going through some suffering or some trial, I don't say to myself, you know, I'm going to be a lot stronger when I come out of this. My thought process is, I hope I get out of this. I don't know what I'm going to do during this. I, you know, I just hope I can survive this. I don't think about being stronger afterwards until I already do it because now I've gone through it. There's a couple things that I can do. One, when I face it again, I'm stronger when I go through it. Or two, someone else may be going through the same thing and now I can say, you know, I know what you're going through. I, I know what you're facing. I, I, I can help you with that because I've gone through the same thing. You know, we can do all the teaching, all the... Uh, uh, all the things that we want to, but unless we go through it, we really don't understand what that person is going through. And that's why I think uh, one of the final things is that I think if we never suffer, I don't think we'd be, we'll be as compassionate as we should be. I think compassion is something that we learn and that grows in us through suffering. And I think that's a big part of it. Most people think that compassion is feeling sorrowful for someone and so you, you kind of let them have their way because you feel sorry for them. And you kind of let them just go. But I think co true compassion is feeling sorry for someone so you can try to help them. Help, I, I have compassion for this person and I want to help them. That's, remember Jesus learned obedience through the things in which he suffered. Look how compassionate he was. Look at the things that he did because of compassion. A lot of the healings he did... He did it in, in ways that showed compassion. He could have done it in a lot of different... The, I think the leper is a good example of that. Remember, he reached out and he, and he touched him. He didn't have to touch him to healing. 
He, don't, he didn't even have to be there to heal him. Jesus healed individuals before, wasn't even in the same room with them. Why did he touch him? Because he had compassion for him. You know how long somebody had been since somebody touched him? Would you have touched somebody with leprosy? No, you were an outcast. You were, you were, you were cast out of the city. That's why he touched him. He had compassion. How did Jesus know to have compassion? Well, you look at all the things that he was going through and was going to go through. I think that showed compassion. And I think by that example he did. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. So you think about what he was able to do, the Bible showing us that he was able to do that because he went through that as a man, flesh, so he could have compassion on us for the things that we go through. Well, that's, that's pretty powerful teaching, isn't it? To, I mean, you, you think about what he went through. There, there's nothing that I can say, well, you just don't understand. You don't understand what I'm facing. You don't understand what I'm going through. Oh, really? You say all the things that he went through? All the things that he uh, endured? And the compassion that he had. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all point tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our suffering may only be meant uh, to teach us to be compassionate for other people. There may be something that I go through, and the only reason that I go through it is so I can go through it and then later on down the road, somebody else is going through it, and I'm able to help them. That, that's almost scary to think about, isn't it? The reason I'm going through this, the reason I'm suffering, is for somebody else's benefit. Take, for example, John 9, verses 1 through 3. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind, blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Then he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but notice, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So he wasn't blind because he sinned or his parents sinned, as the thought of the day was, just like with Job's friends. You must have done something. What was the reason? But that the works of God should be revealed in him may not be that God caused it to be that way, but God could use that for that purpose. That was a teachable moment for someone else to bring glory to God. So are we willing to suffer if it would help somebody come to Christ? Would we be willing to suffer for that? Would we be willing to suffer if it brings glory to God? Maybe part of letting our light shine before the world and they see our good works as how we go through the suffering that we're faced. That's what brings glory and honor to God. And I, I think here's where the, where the rub is. I think it's like Job. As Jeff said, Job never got the answer that he wanted. Job never got the why. 
What Job got was the trust me. Because God, you know, remember, asked him a series of questions Job couldn't possibly answer, and that was the point. You don't have to know all these things. All you need to know is to trust me. And if you trust me and know that I've got your best interest in mind, then these things are going to be easier for you to get through. We may not get the answer that we want of why. We can get some possibilities, but the reality sometimes is a little harsh. The reality is it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with somebody else. You're just the vessel in which I'm using to do it. Are we willing as a child of his to go through that and be that vessel? I think that's part of our commitment. But notice what Paul said, Philippians 4, starting in verse 11. He said, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You think of the individuals that Paul brought to Christ through his suffering. Him being in prison, him being shipwrecked, him being all of these things that he was that example that he needed to be. Would that jailer obey if Paul wasn't in prison singing? You know, you think about all these that he was faced. So instead of asking the question, why do we suffer? We just need to do as James says. Maybe we ought to be glad that we are. Not for the pain that we're going through, but what the result may be, no matter what the outcome is. If the outcome that suffering takes my life physically, I've still not let it take my life spiritually. And I think that's ultimately what counts.